Greetings. This is Justin Allen with the Elite Nurse Practitioner. Welcome to the Elite Nurse Practitioner Show, a podcast dedicated to nurse practitioner entrepreneurism and achieving financial freedom, where I talk directly with nurse practitioners who need help. Listen up. Our market is saturated. Jobs can be scarce. We are underpaid. We are undervalued. We are taken advantage of by the sharks within the healthcare system. And frankly, screw that. Sick of it. And it's time for a change. And listen, I'm here to help make that happen. We are powerful. We can forge a path where we are in control of our career and ultimately our financial and personal well-being. You do not need to submit to healthcare administrators and your doctor overlords. You do not have to take the measly salary. You do not have to work 50 to 60 hours a week. There is a different way, and I'm here to show you that path. This podcast is raw and unfiltered. I have not talked to nurse practitioners in this podcast prior to the call outside of an email exchange to schedule the episode. What you're about to listen to is a consultation session between a nurse practitioner and myself. It is real, it is unscripted, it is unplanned, and I have no idea what we're going to talk about. Anything and everything can happen during our conversation. The nurse practitioners in these episodes are struggling with an issue in their professional or financial life, and they have reached out to me for help. My goal is to help a nurse practitioner with actionable advice that will enhance and improve their professional, business, and financial life. My other goal is to hopefully help my nurse practitioner sisters and brothers build a more productive, powerful, and free life. So I hope the content and information within these podcast episodes does just that. All right, on to the episode. Hello, everyone. Today, we'll be talking to Nikki, who is an adult and psych nurse practitioner. Currently, she operates a phase one clinical trial for an oncology company and also sees patients on the side in an oncology office. She just started a psych practice that was cash-based at first and just recently started accepting insurance. She's looking to grow the business and is having difficulties finding solid employees and is trying to learn how to just let go. She's also needing some assistance on how to lower her taxes. Hey, Nikki, how are you? Great. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. So let's just jump into this. This is uh, uh you have an interesting background, so I'd like to learn how uh, you know, I'd like to learn about it. So just tell us kind of how you got started as a nurse practitioner, what things you've been doing, and how you uh, kind of landed yourself in uh, this dual role. Yeah. So I've been a nurse practitioner almost 13 years. The first six years I spent in primary care, taking care of you know uh, everything from head and neck to um, you know UTIs. But when I was in primary care, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer stage four, and I guided her through her treatment and inevitably her death. And I really kind of changed heart and wanted to go into oncology. So after my mom died, I decided to make it my mission to help cancer patients. And I worked for five years in oncology, but I decided that a big part of how patients dealt with their diagnoses was missing. So I ended up going into a postmaster's PMHNP program. I started that program and then the pandemic happened and I had a pandemic baby. (laughs) So at the time I had three boys under the age of eight and needed a more flexible job. So I left my hospital oncology job while I was finishing my PMHNP and went to run a phase one clinical trial because I had a background in oncology. So I finished my psych program and opened a private practice in October of 2022. And um, it's, it was slow to start as, um, as you said, but um, I started taking insurance and um, really making a carve out in some of the cancer, kind of combining some of the cancer focus a little bit. And I have been packed with patients. So um, it's been great, but I'm right now working 60 to 70 hours a week. So it's been hard with three little kids to manage that. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you keep going down this path, you're going to burn out. You're just going to, you know, there's no way you can do all that long, you know, for an extended amount of time. How old are you? I'm just curious. How old am I? I'll be, yeah. I'm 39. 39. Okay. So about the same age as me. Yeah. Um, you know, I start getting in your forties, you know, uh, that energy starts to <laughs> decrease a little bit. I don't know if you're feeling it, but I definitely am sometimes. You know, um, you'd be surprised. I have a lot of energy. I mean, I have to chase three kids around. So, um, sure. and uh, no, I have a lot of energy. I'm not tired. That's not the problem, but um, I'm finding it. Yeah, just hard. Like, so I'm working two days a week into eight o'clock at night because I obviously have, you know, I'm doing something else during the day. And then sometimes I'm, you know, in the evenings on Fridays, but I'm always on my computer trying to do stuff because right now I don't have anybody else. Gotcha. Right, right. You're running thin then, it sounds like. Like, where do you focus that energy? Where do you focus that time? Like, it's kind of spread out all over the place. 
Yeah. And I did listen to a previous podcast of yours and I, I thought it was pretty interesting because um, you did say like pick two days a week, which I've done. And that has actually made it really nice because I can actually, you know, I know my family knows that I'm kind of gone until eight o'clock at night on those two days. And that's helped a lot. And then everything is streamlined. So like all my electronic medical records, all my billing is all electronic. So there's no paper. Um, I have like everything very automatic. Good, good. So you're automating things, you're developing some systems and whatnot. Good, good for you. And so you only see patients and do the psych thing two days a week then, right? I mean, I'd say in total, maybe two and a half. Sometimes I'll see pa patients like on Wednesday evenings too, just to kind of make availability, just because I can't, I, I have so many people coming that I, I can't turn them away. What I have is like three patients and then they refer three other people and it's right. just like catapults. Right, right, right. And so you, when you went from cash to insurance, that's when you really saw the significant uptick. Yeah. And what I found, um, the reason why is that I wanted to see people again. And I, I felt some resistance when people would say, well, I'm not sure, you know, do you have to see me in a month? And I really wanted to see them in a month because I was starting them on medications, you know? And so, yeah, I, I felt that resistance. And then also, I just wanted to appeal to more people because in the, especially with the cancer focus, I do some pro bono work with people because I just can't, people find me, you know, they want help and I can't turn them away. <laughs> right, right, right. You're going to learn how to say no. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. do. I'm good at, I'm good at screening folks who I think will take a lot of bandwidth out of my practice. Sure. And trust me, I do say no, but yeah, I mean, it's just getting to like today, somebody was asking me if I do therapy and all my therapy spots are taken up. So Again, these are great problems to have, but I'd Good love problems. to hire. I'd love to hire, and in, in fact, I did put up an ad on Indeed, and the folks that I got, I just like wasn't. I couldn't even read their resumes, or there were so many mistakes, I couldn't even have them see my patients. So, oh God, yeah, yeah, I, I'm having trouble finding good people, right? right and then, I, right. luckily, my husband works in finance, and he's been able to like figure out when we scale, if we scaled like hiring an LICSW, which is a nice revenue stream, a passive revenue stream. Um, and that's, or, that, that's a social worker, right? Correct. Right, or okay. another PMHNP, because you can do 60, 40 splits with them or 70, 30. Yeah. So, and I'd love to find people. I just, I can't find people that are either have experience and can work independently or that right. can write on pieces of paper. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's just, let's just break some of this down. Okay. Before we start yeah. jumping into other topics and everything. Okay. So you went from cash to insurance and it really, it really took off because a lot of people in psych, they want to use their insurance, right? I mean, cash-based, yeah. cash-based psych can work. It's just slow and it takes a while to build that patient census up, right? Correct. So yeah. So for any other psych NPs listening to this, just, you know, keep that in mind or even an FMP or adult, you know, nurse practitioner, I want to open a primary care practice that's cash-based. Like, it's going to be slow and it takes time to build up that census. If you accept insurance, you're going to blow up very, very fast, but then you have to just deal with all the insurance BS. So um, there's pros and cons, right? But anyways, though, so I mean, congratulations. I mean, you've been able to build this within, you know, six months. So congratulations to you. It's pretty and impressive. Yeah. 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 Okay. So then you're working in your business right now. You're essentially a slave to your business at this point, because basically if you don't see patients, you don't get paid, right? Yep. Yep, that is a good problem to have, and it is a it is a problem. You need to hire someone for sure. So, how can you maximize the revenue of this practice? So, you said bring in a social worker or a therapist or a psychologist or whatever. Like, how can you bring in one of those people and bill through them and use them as a you know as an additional revenue stream? Like, how can you do that? Like, outside of a a prescriber, let's just talk about more of like the non-prescribing people, psychology, yeah. therapy, like how can you, how can you do that and have them bill and pay them a fair compensation for it and build that into a secondary revenue stream that'll end up giving you more of a passive income? Yeah. I mean, you know, I looked at it and my husband built out a bit of a um, chart for me. You know, they really have to see volume right in order because they don't really right. get, they get reimbursed like a hundred bucks per hour. So if you do a 60, 40 split with them as a 1099, then, you know, you can figure out what split that is. But 60, they really, 60, 60, 40, 60 them, 60 you. 60 them, 40 me. Do you make any profit that way? You do if they're 1099s, I think. Um, right, I can right. see what it is. Um, while we're chatting, I can bring it up. But 
Yeah. So that would be one way. Right. But then you, they need to see, they need to see at least 20 patients a week in order to like really make it worth it. Is that, is that possible? Can you not send patients to them for the therapy component? Oh yeah. I mean, I have patients who don't have therapists they are begging. Okay. So all right. Well, listen, there's a demand for it. You need to deliver it. Don't, don't outsource that somewhere else. You should be keeping some of that revenue. Yeah. Keep that business for yourself. So, I mean, I think you should make it a priority while it's not going to be super profitable. I mean, it's still a passive source of income for you. You know, 60, 40, I'm all for fair compensation. I am. I'm, I'm all for it. But from a, from a business owner standpoint, I can't pay someone 60%. I just, I can't, I feel like it's not fair to the business owner. And so 50, 50, sure. 60, 40 though. I don't know. I just can't do it. 70, 30, hell no. So maybe you're being a little too generous on that. You it know, could they, be as a 1099 though, you have to remember they're going to take home, they're going to take off 30% of that for taxes. So that's not your concern. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, so that's, my husband and I, um, we, we, um, we made a chart here and if they see even 10 monthly vi- visits, um, they're making eight grand a month, I'm sorry, annually. And that, their monthly earnings would be 720 for how many hours of work? That's monthly, 10 hours a month. So Ten, Okay, if, so that's 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 good money for a licensed social worker, right? Yeah, it could be, yeah. 70 bucks an hour. Like they're, uh, they're Yeah, no. So we if we said if it, if they see 120 clients a month, so that's what 30 30 a week. Um so that's 30 hours of work a week. They're annualizing at $103,000. And that's can good. And can a social worker make that anywhere else? I don't think so. Hell no, they probably can't. Okay, so that's good money. <laughs> like, yeah. that's really good money. And even dropping it to fifty percent, still good money. Like, like, you gotta think. Like, a hospital system or a large psych care, you know, a psych practice system, they're they're gonna pay these people an hourly wage of twenty five, thirty bucks an oh, hour, forty totally. bucks an hour. You know what I mean? Like, what you're providing them is good money. And even if it's ten ninety nine, whatever, the employer the employer is only paying seven, you know, seven point five percent of that employment tax. Like, it's not that big of a deal even if they're making 30 dollars an hour at some yep. psych, psych system so what they're still paying the taxes and the employer's only paying 7.5 percent. like it doesn't really matter at the end of the day you know well how do you and here's my other problem is how do you number one find people so the other thing is they're not going to have patients right away they may not have 120 visits a month so they're going to have to ramp up like anybody else in a new of course business. of course um and then how do you know that they're not going to just steal the patients from you? <laughs> you hire them to sign a non-solicitation clause. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah. yeah. You know, non-competes can be debatable if they're enforceable or not, depending on what state you're in. Um, and then they're still debatable. A non-solicitation clause, there is no debate, okay? It's enforceable, all right? Yeah. So you haven't signed a non-solicitation clause. After we're done with this, I'm more happy to send you a 1099 contract that has a non-solicitation clause in it. Just shoot yeah. me an email afterwards and I'll send it to you, okay? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's how you get around that. So don't worry about that. Think about this more from a part-time standpoint with, you know, with your therapist. Like, yeah, it's going to be slow at first, building up their, building up their census, and then maybe just go into this more of a, on a part-time thing. They're already working and they come in on the evenings to do this. Right. You could, you yeah. Could, yeah. You could do it that way. But if you're busy and you have patients, I mean, it sounds like you could probably fill their rosters up pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I definitely have it. I can think of like 20 patients off the top of my head that don't even have therapists. Okay, right. So, you know, if you want to build a robust practice that you can scale and grow, you need to have all this stuff in-house. You do not need to outsource it, okay? Yeah. You need to make this a priority. 50-50, not 60-40. 50 is fair. 50-50 is fair. They're still making a good living for what they're doing. They're not going to make that anywhere else, okay? It's fair and it develops a passive income stream for you. You handle everything. They just come and see patients and they leave. That's it. You handle everything else. Okay. 50, 50 spare. Yeah. If you do that and they're seeing a hundred patients a month or whatever, like, you know, you're, you're bringing in now a couple thousand extra dollars of passive income, right? Oh yeah. Now imagine, yeah. Multiply that by three or four and you're bringing in a very healthy passive income, right? That's how you scale a business. And so, you know, think about maybe even some higher level people, like a psychologist or something, like how much could you pay them to come in and do it? And, you know, so, you know, so be thinking about that kind of stuff. And then the the nurse practitioner, right? You want someone else to come in and do some prescribing for you, right? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. 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 And I think 50-50 is fair too. All right. Or what I see is mostly either 60-40 with benefits or 70-30 as a 1099. Now that may be people who are experienced, but- 
I don't know, maybe maybe the psych NPs that listen to this could help help us out a little bit with some feedback. But yeah, um, maybe but, yeah, maybe they could post a comment or something. But yeah, I'm also I mean, in New England, so that doesn't help, you know. Yeah, well, that's a more expensive area. Correct. I've heard the 70-30 split before, and I think to myself as a business owner, how is that justifiable or profitable for the business owner at all? Yeah, yeah. just super thin margins, super thin margins. Like, what the hell's the point? And especially if you offer benefits, right? Like, And it, benefits, right. Like, those people just must be desperate for someone. What's the, I mean, I know the going rate for psych NPs. I mean, I've seen psych NP job listings before, you know? 80 to 100 bucks an hour. Oh, I'll pay that in a second. I mean, that's not even, Justin, that's not even kind of touching what, what we're making an hour. You know, then, so, so then maybe yeah. just pay them hourly or pay them like a flat rate per patient or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, that's what I do with my nurse practitioners. I've said it multiple times on other podcasts. I, I pay them just a flat rate. I don't fool with this production stuff. This pre- yeah. it's You got to calculate at, at, you know, you got to calculate at the end of the month, blah, 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 blah. Like, just to give you an idea, right? The insurance companies reimburse for a 99214 and a 90833, which is a combination of like a complex medical decision making or whatever, and um, and a, some brief psychotherapy. They're you know anywhere from 150 to 200 uh, for a 20 minute visit. These NPs, I mean, if you do it yourself, you're pulling in a lot of money. You know. Sure. Okay. Well, there's a lot of people out there that just want to come to work and get yeah, in and go totally. Home. Okay. And I'm happy to do that. (laughs) Right. Like a lot of people just want to just go to work and go home. Like they don't care. Right. And so I would just be super fair here. 100, 150 bucks an hour, call it a day or per patient. You know, you bill a 99214, I'll pay you 50 bucks, you you know, whatever. And you can just rack it up and get up to however much you want an hour. Like, and just call it a day, throw it out there and see what happens. Okay. So that's not even it. Right. That I, I'm happy. All of that is. I can't find good people. Can we go back to how to find good yeah, people? Yeah, you can't find good people, right? And, and yeah, I get it. Okay, so uh, tell me a little bit about this experience. So you posted some ads and uh, for a psych MP? Yeah. Okay, I'm and what happened? I'm getting a lot of new grads, which I actually asked for. But, um, you know, folks that maybe weren't nurses ever before, had never really... and. And that's okay, but it's hard when you're, you have to mentor. And by the way, anybody who's getting mentored so much should be a lot less of a split, right? Because you need to uh, yeah. life. Yeah. I was looking for somebody with a little bit more experience, especially if I'm going to pass over any patients who are on active chemotherapy or anything like that, you know? Right, right. So. Well, you know, you get someone with experience that knows their worth. It's, you know. Eh. So maybe the new grads are the way to do it, right? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, probably. You know, I mean, if you go through some, you're going to find, you know, some, some A plus and star players out there. I mean, when I graduated nurse practitioner school, I was, I was pretty competent. You know what I mean? Like I jumped right in. I've seen nurse practitioners like that before. Like they just jump right in. Like they know their shit. Like they know what to do. And so um, you're going to have to be just very, very selective here, right? Yeah. Which is then going to just delay it. It's going to help you. And it's going to be more difficult to find someone, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Uh, I'd rather, I'm much more of a word of mouth type of person. Um, so I'd rather go through somebody that knows somebody else. And I know a lot of people, so that helps. One of my professors, you know, has a bunch of new grads that she's sending the job posting to. So I'm hoping the next couple of months I'll get something. You'll get something. You know, a uh, story for my men's health clinic. When I opened up my second men's health clinic, I, it took me so long to find a nurse practitioner. I was like, Jesus, there, the hell's going on? Are there no nurse practitioners that want a part-time easy job? Like, and then, and then I hired another one for my second men's health clinic. We have two up there now. And I hired the second one like a month ago or whatever. And like, I put the ad out and it was like the perfect applicant applied within days. Men's health experience. I was like, wow. You know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those things you just never know. Right. Yeah. So anyways, uh, in terms of hiring someone quality, post it on the job post. Remember, you're selling it. It's a sales ad. You're trying to sell someone on your clinic. So I usually put the hourly rate or whatever, boom, right in the heading. New grads welcome, you know, $100 an hour, new grad welcome, psych practice, whatever. Like just, you know, make it eye-catching. It's yeah. It's ultimately a sales ad. I mean, it is. Oh, and it is. And maybe that was part of the problem when I looked is like, I didn't put a, how much, I think I wrote up to 200,000, but maybe not. Maybe nah. I Yeah, remember these people were, you know, a hundred dollars an hour is, that sounds good. Like, yeah. You know, 
Sounds good, right? That's yeah. that's good money. That's 200 and you know, if you work 40 hours a week, that comes out to be $220,000 a year or something like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's really good money. So maybe you just start there, but uh, I guess you had you've had some applicants and you just really weren't that impressed. Pretty much, yeah. 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 <laughs> Just keep the ad up. Just, you know, where are you posting this ad? Uh, indeed. Okay. Anywhere else? ZipRecruiter or anything? Uh, no, but ZipRecruiter was suggested to me. So yeah, yeah. ZipRecruiter. Yeah. ZipRecruiter works pretty well. So ZipRecruiter, um, indeed.com. Uh, you can even post it on Facebook marketplace. You'd be surprised. Um, <laughs> okay. you will, you'll, you'll be surprised. Did you do the sponsored paid ad on it? No. Okay, do that. You'll get much more qualified uh, uh, people. Like they have to answer questions and attest a certain thing before they submit it and things like that. You'll get you'll just get a little bit more quality applicants. I've I found that out. You pay for it though. Okay, good yeah. to know. Yeah, yeah, paying is not an issue. It's more just finding people. Right, right. Would you not use them from a telemedicine standpoint? Um, I'd be happy to do telemedicine. And, and I can actually see some of the patients myself if they need, you know, with the whole lifting of the Ryan hate, I can see them in, I have an office too. So yeah, if you're credentialed in Massachusetts, I mean, I mean, I have people who are, who did, I actually had somebody apply who was really great, but they're not credentialed in mass in, you know, Massachusetts. And I, I really, it would take months for that to happen, you know? So right. Right. To have a license in Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, well then you might want to maybe expand your reach out a little bit. You know, telemedicine, work from home, hundred dollars an hour or whatever. It's something to consider. One of the nurse practitioners that I have in my second men's health practice lives like three thousand miles away, and it's just completely telemedicine. So yeah. it works. I mean, it can work, right? You might want to maybe consider that as well, and that would be another option for you. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. I think the um, I th I should write the hourly rate. I think I agree with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe just try to focus more on an hourly rate versus a 70-30 split. I just, I don't see how you can make any money 70-30. I just, I don't know. I just don't know how you make much, you know? So I think it, there's really not much you can do other than you just kind of just got to wait. You just got to give it time, see who applies, you know? Yeah, and these are like my my patients and it's my brand, which I've built, you know? So I just want to be really careful. I don't want people tarnishing my brand, you know? No, I get it. I get it. It's, uh, it's difficult to let go. I think what you'll find out, uh, you know, after a little while or you're hiring a professional, they should be professional anyways, that cares about their license and they care about providing good care to patients and stuff like that. Like you don't really have to worry about it too much. You know, you really got to worry about that with like some non-licensed person, like a medical assistant or something, you know? Totally. But again, if I can't like, you know, if the resumes just aren't great, then I, I won't even bother spending my time. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. If there's grammatical errors and you can't even understand what the hell they're saying in it, uh, delete. Correct. I wouldn't even fool with it. Don't even entertain it. Yeah. So yeah. that's a great idea. I'll change some of the um, the wording and I, maybe I'll send it to you after the podcast and you can take a look. Yeah. Shoot over to me. We'll have to take a quick look at it. So I guess any other questions about hiring at all? Um, my only other question would be, do you always do 1099? Do you ever benefit people? How do you deal with that? Uh, as a small business, you really don't need to benefit people. It's not really, uh, it's not required by law until you're up to a certain right. amount of uh, employees. That's going to vary state by state, but generally it's like 10. Some states it's like six, some states it's 10. Um, yeah. So I, uh, I don't, I don't. I do give my general staff a like IRA match. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I'll do that. It's a tax write off and it, good morale. It helps them build their, you know, build their retirement portfolio. So I don't mind doing that. Um, I give everyone bonuses, uh, at Christmas and 4th of July, uh, but benefits, health insurance and stuff, that shit is too expensive. You got to really be generating some money to, to justify it. Yeah. I mean, again, my husband does this for a living and he can, he's generated the costs and he, yeah, he kind of says the same thing is like, unless you're generating a lot of income, it's just hard to justify. Um, exactly. So. It is. It is. I mean, you can write it off. It's a tax write-off. You know, that's kind of where it comes into. Like, does the tax savings kind of offset it? Because if it does, then why not? You know, and when well, you start right. generating, yeah, yeah. But if you're not generating a couple million dollars a year or whatever, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I just was trying to figure out how to keep good people. <laughs> that's all. Yeah. Once you get them, you know. Yeah. So how to you know how to keep good people, right? you develop a culture in your business that aligns with you and is positive, you know, like you allow people to make their own schedules. They're going to love it. You know, you give them some flexibility. They're going to love it. You give them bonuses. They're going to love it. You give them surprises. 
you know, fill up their gas tank, buy them lunch. Like if you develop a culture like that, they're going to like their job. People don't like their jobs when they're being told what to do all the time. And it's, it's, it's a crappy situation with negativity and that kind of a thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just think about what situation, you know, what kind of workplace do you want to work in? Make it happen. You're the business owner. Yeah. No, I mean, flexible, trusting. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'm not a control freak, especially once I can trust somebody. So exactly. Right. And that trust takes a couple months to build though. But once you do, you can just let them go, you know? But I'm also very savvy. So I do notice when people make mistakes and will, um, you know, definitely pick up on things. So yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Malpractice. If they're a 1099, I usually just have been, have their own malpractice policy. Yep. That's the same yep. that I, um, I asked my malpractice insurance, the same thing. Yep. Just have them have their own policy. Make sure they just name your entity on it as an endorsement pretty much. Well, and it's actually really cheap. My, we ran the numbers. I mean, just adding one person to my EMR is like dollars. And then, um, you know, just ha- adding them to my, um, to, you know, the insurance that the billers that I use is cheap as well. And so it's really like not a lot of overhead for me to add somebody. Yeah. Well, that see, it doesn't really cost you much at all. Margins are great, you know? Yeah, they absolutely. You can make it the split work. So, yeah. So imagine, you know, you have another nurse practitioner, two nurse practitioners, a social worker or whatever you do the math, what kind of passive income can you develop? You know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> a lot. A lot, right? You're not working in your business anymore. You're not a slave to it. You can go, yeah. you, you can go on vacation and still be making money, right? And then are you managing these folks though? Like who's managing? Oh, you hired an office manager or something? Well, the nurse practitioner, I don't really manage at all. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're a professional contractor. They do their own thing, you know? Yeah. Um, but I mean, you have to have, yeah, I mean, you have to have some office staff, right? A medical assistant, a receptionist, whatever. Uh, yeah, uh, my... Uh, uh, I have an office manager, so to speak, you know, he's, he's been with me since the start. He was just came in as a medical assistant and he learned, you know, he helped me build a practice. There's no better office management than him. Like he knows how to run this thing. Right. So, um, so yeah, so you definitely want someone on the ground that understands the, just the functionality of your business. Right. Yeah. 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 And that person needs to be your office manager. That person should be someone who starts off with you and understands it and helps you build it. Right. So, Yeah. Yeah. And keep you, my husband. <laughs> yeah. 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 Do you have a staff right now much or, or is it just you? Nope. You're, you're talking to them. The staff, just is one. You. me and yeah. my husband, I have a, a colleague that's helped me do some of the prior auths. Like she just does it on the side. Um, and until I really add another staff member, I haven't felt the need to add a virtual assistant. Um, just because I've been kind of doing most of it myself, but you know, obviously that, requires writing emails back to people that inquire on my website. So it definitely takes some work. Right. Right. I think, uh, you really need to get some sort of administrative someone in there like sooner than later. I think that should be one of your top priorities. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta have a receptionist or something. You gotta get someone who's scheduling patients and who's doing all this day-to-day busy work for you. Yeah. I mean, totally. I I agree with you. I I know. I just, um, I was kind of waiting until I scaled up a little bit to add one. How much money are you generating a month now? Good question. So my, um, net income. So my, my revenue is so started in October was 600 and now I'm at, I've doubled that to 12,000 as of April, 2023, my gross revenue. So 12,000 bucks last month and, and you netted what? Net income of 10. $2,000 in expenses. That's it. That's it, my friend. I had to buy some office equipment. So it's probably. Right, so it's probably even more. Okay. Yeah. Listen, 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 listen. You hire a receptionist or someone who 30 hours a week at 20 bucks an hour. It's not that much money. Right? And it's no. just going to be such a weight off your shoulders. I'm telling you. I know. Yeah. Don't, yeah. I mean, you got the money coming in to pay them. And once that, once all that busy work is offloaded to them, guess what happens? Now you have more time to see more patients and guess what happens? Then, then your income doubles again. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, that's for sure. I mean, I, I, my husband was actually trying to figure out how, how much I'm making an hour if I'm spending, you know, billable hours of like six, let's say 12 a week. So seeing 12 hours of patients a week and then non-billable hours is like, could be, you know, five to 10. So let's just say an average of 20 hours a week. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 20 hours a week. 
Yeah. So you are making about 125 bucks an hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something yeah. like that. So imagine now, you know, you subtract that five to 10 hours a week of all that busy administrative work. Yeah. Okay. Like now you have so much more time. Imagine if you had five or 10 more hours to see more patients. Totally. Or just right. not do and just make passive income. <laughs> and just say, yeah, exactly. Well, then you have another nurse practitioner there seeing more patients for you and everything. Exactly. Like it just snowballs and yeah. it snowballs very fast, exponentially. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. And so I guess I have more questions around what you think around taxes. So I know we had talked about that before. What are best ways to reduce taxable income? Like, I guess it's taxable income. And I'm not sure the best. Um, yeah. 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 No, it is. And uh, I have, have three you, kids. So one of them could work technically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you, have you took our tax course? I have not. Okay. I would highly recommend the tax course, but I, I can go over a few things with you right now. Okay. Sure. Uh, the tax course, I literally talked for six hours about how to lower your taxes. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah it, uh, I did it in conjunction with a tax attorney, a, a CPA, like it is solid. Okay. Anyways. Yeah. You could hire a uh, child, come clean your office or whatever. Okay. So the IRS does not tax the first $12,500 of your income a year. Okay. It's not taxed. doesn't matter if it's you, granny, your child, whoever. The first $12,500 is not taxed. So if you pay your child $12,000 a year, it is not taxed. Okay. So that's called- that in college. <laughs> yeah. It's called income shifting. You are shifting your income. That's yeah. going to be taxed at 30 something percent to someone else that doesn't have a tax bracket yet because they're only making $12,000 a year. Does that make sense? Yep. So that saves you a significant amount of money, saves you three or $4,000. So there you go. So you just lowered your taxable income by 12,000 bucks, basically. And you saved yourself $3,000 in taxes or whatever. Okay. So that's one way you can do it. Yeah. There are some considerations around hiring a child or anyone that you do need to take in consideration. And I'm not going to go over that right now because there's just sure. a lot of, lot, lot of technicalities, but I do cover that in the course. Basically what it comes down to is you have expenses in your business. And if those expenses are tax deductible, it lowers your income, right? So if you make $10,000 and you have $8,000 in expenses, you are only going to be taxed on the $2,000. Yep. So the more expenses you have, the lower your taxable income is. And so you want to focus on things that are 100% tax deductible. So business meals, for example, okay, they can be 100% tax deductible. I think I had something like $10,000 in business meals uh, <laughs> last awesome. year. Okay? That's a lot of meals. It's a lot of meals. I've entertained a lot of people, you know? I mean, there was a lot of business talk, okay? There's some rules around that as well, but, sure. but yeah. Uh, you can have a party at your house, a business party, and happen to just coincide with your child's birthday party, okay? You can, you can write that stuff off. Your business vehicle, you can write that off. 2022 was the last year that you could write off 100% of the vehicle in the first year. You could depreciate the entire value of it in the first year. This year, it's 80%. Next year, it's going to drop down, I think, to 60% and so forth. Now, what if you don't use your vehicle? Like, I mean, I'm on the phone all the time talking to clients or talking to this. Fit, do you deduct the entire amount or you just do like 50%? Because I mean, my uh, office is down the street. <laughs> It's going to be a mixed use personal vehicle. Yeah. So there's some percentages and stuff that you have to take into consideration. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, become a part-time realtor. You're driving around all the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Your cell phone. I don't know about you, but uh, my cell phone is used for business a lot. You need to put that on your business account. Okay. You, yep. We deduct right that. There. We deduct part of our home office because we have a home, you know, Perfect. one of the offices. Um, yeah. You travel, you know, every time you travel, there should be some CE involved or some business. Okay. And you can ride off the trip, okay? Mm -hmm. You know, the airplane ticket, the hotel, your meals, everything you can, you, can, you can deduct, all right? So it's all of these things that you do that just end up just eating away at that taxable income. Yeah. You know, there's very little you can do just at one time to do a huge hit. The biggest thing that you can do to lower your taxable income is real estate. That's the biggest thing you can do. Tell me more. I have family uh, and <laughs> okay. All right. There you go. There is nothing more that you can do to lower your taxes than real estate. Like it's the biggest hit to your taxes. All right. Mm. What you do is that you do a cost segregation study on your rental house that you just bought. Okay. 
that basically what it does is it uh, it's this complex equation. You hire someone to do it. And basically they give you the value of the house that then you can use that to depreciate the value of the house the first year. Typically, that value is 20% of the purchase price. So you can depreciate and deduct 20% of the purchase price of the home the very, very first year. You buy a million dollar property, you deduct $200,000 off your taxes the first year. It's awesome. Okay. Yeah, that's that. It's huge, right? Only the rates will go down. <laughs> right. Yeah, there, there is that, right? That's one way that you lower your taxes like big time is depreciating basically 20% of your home. So if you put 20% down, which you should for an investment property, okay, because that allows you to uh, avoid the PMI, the mortgage insurance. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So if you put 20% down, you don't have to pay PMI anymore, which is a big saving for a rental property. So if you put 20% down, guess what? You just depreciate and deduct that entire 20%. So yeah. if I go buy a $500,000 house, I can depreciate, I can deduct the $100,000 down payment that I put on it. That's huge. Yeah. So imagine if you buy five to six of those a year, you have a million dollar real estate portfolio and you paying $0 in taxes. Okay. I know- yeah, I know people who do this. I know people who have a $10 million real estate portfolio and they pay $0 in taxes because they do those cost segregation studies and they depreciate the hell out of their property. It's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Noted. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's the biggest thing that you can do. There's other really clever things that you can do like titling uh, land in a trust name and then writing it back to yourself. And I mean, there's just so many things that you can do to lower your taxes. Like ugh, there's a lot. And so- you definitely got to make it a priority if you want to keep your money. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Awesome. And then yeah. regarding those, like, I guess to just to go back to passive revenue streams, do you have any suggestions for, I know we you've talked ketamine. I've taken your ketamine course. It was great. Do you have other ideas for passive revenue or like more kind of niche things that can add on in, in um, psychiatry? Sorry, I was going to say oncology, maybe that are geared towards oncology. For oncology? Well, psychiatry, but I don't know if on oncology could be a good one too. You know? uh, well, I don't know. I mean, very many oncology patients are going to be paying cash for a lot of things. Unless they oh, yeah. And I also have, I, I, yeah, no, I don't, I agree with you. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that there's really a whole lot you can do outside of doing lots of vitamin and, you know, yeah. alpha lipoic acid infusions and things like that. You know, you pay cash for I get from a site practice, there's plenty of things that you could do. I mean, you can do, you know, you, you can integrate functional medicine into it. You can integrate genetic testing into it. You can, you can do, you could do weight loss. I mean, if the patient's depression and anxiety stem from their weight, why put them on an antidepressant when you can treat the underlying condition that's causing their mental illness? That's within your scope. And you're an adult nurse practitioner anyways. You can practically do whatever you want. I know. I, I know I, sometimes my patients come to me and they say, oh, well, I don't have a PCP. I'm like, yeah, I'll order it. You know, it's like, right. I'll order blood pressure medication, whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So if basically it's, 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 it's the same thing. Like within a psych practice, if you can integrate some additional services that people, you know, patients want, you know, weight loss, you can do HRT, you can do some functional medicine. Um, I mean, all those services are in demand. They're, you know, high dollar with impressive margins. So yeah. So yeah, you could do any of those really. Um, why don't you just start kind of throwing it out there to your patients and see kind of what they, how they feel about certain things. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good yeah. idea. Yeah. There are a lot of people looking for integrative functional psych. Just FYI. Lots of people yeah. are looking for that. Good to know. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are like, you know, I want to go to a practitioner who is not going to just hand me psych meds, but also try to really get down to the root cause and, you know, like I said, their weight, if it's their obesity, for, you know, causing a lot of their depression, treat, you know, treat the weight. If a man has anxiety and trouble sleeping, if they're hypogonadal with low testosterone, you treat their, you, you treat that low testosterone. I can promise you their depression, anxiety, and their sleep improve. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's integrative. You're integrating multiple different things into it. And so. Yeah. What, and I do that already. When I talk to my clients, I don't just throw meds at them, but but certainly if I um, marketed myself more as that, then that might market be. and brand it that way. That's the key, right? No one, no one knows you're doing that unless you're sending it out to the world. Yeah. I mean, I was, I've been amazed that um, people find me from all over New England just because um, I have oncology next to me. So I've been having a lot of patients that come who are like cancer survivors that are depressed and anxious or 
have all sorts of other things going on. And just to know that I have that oncology background, they like it's it's been a game changer. I think you just basically just said your your niche practice right there. <laughs> it's S true. Like seriously, psych oncology, like you and the question what do you do like so do i do groups do i do do i do like blog posts i was yeah yeah you build a following like yeah. you're the psych oncology np like you are the expert at treating the mental challenges that are associated around a cancer diagnosis surviving cancer like imagine that there can't be very many people out there do there it. are not in fact I have spoken to a couple of them around the country and there are not many nurse practitioners with similar backgrounds. There's not many people doing that. I can guarantee there's not very many psychiatrists that are doing that. You know what I mean? That you have a skill set that is very unique and is very valuable. All right. You really might want to consider something like that. Like imagine if you developed a oncology psych practice, you know, treating the, the mental challenges surrounding cancer. Right. If you had a, if you had a YouTube channel or a blog or whatever, and you talked about that kind of stuff, I am telling you right now, you will develop a following and I'll tell you right now, people will come see you. Yeah. Okay? No, I, I know it because people contact me. Oh, my friend told me this told me, I mean, even this week I have like three people who um, are referrals from another cancer patient that sees me. So there you go. Like yeah. seriously, you could, and then you could train some other NPs, psych NPs on how to do this. And now you have a staff to help. Yeah. Think yeah. about that. You yeah. know, that would be cool. If anybody's out there that has oncology experience as a nurse practitioner, contact Justin. <laughs> contact me and I'll forward it to you. That's right. I'm serious. Yeah. I, I'm a hundred percent serious on this. I think that is a fantastic idea. Yeah. No, fantastic. And yeah. I'm, I'm really passionate about it because I, I really believe in, in helping these folks because there's not great mental health care in oncology, um, especially yeah. if you're outside of a major medical center. So. Right, right. People will follow you. People will reach out to you. And the beautiful thing about this is, is that it could also be, you could do this from almost a coaching perspective. You don't even have to have a license. Yeah. Fortunately and unfortunately, I have many years of <laughs> experience and, and debt in school <laughs> behind me, but um, yeah. No, no like, I mean, you don't need another license. I mean, yeah, like seriously, like you could do this from a coaching perspective. Like, okay, just imagine real quick. And let me know if you don't really like, if you don't really like this direction. I'm just, I'm curious. Like, imagine if you had a YouTube channel, a blog, you wrote articles, you built this kind of online persona of you being this expert oncology, you know, mental health, basically like the you know, yeah. treating the, the mental problems that go along with cancer. Now, imagine if you create this online presence like that, you had a website, you had like an ebook. You had a YouTube channel, all this kind of stuff. And it's broadcast, it's nationwide, right? It's online. And you get people who start following it. Someone's scrolling through their Instagram and they see your little video, they watch it and they're like, oh my God, my mom is suffering so bad. And they click on that and you have the ability to do a coaching call with them. You do not prescribe, you do not diagnose, but you can help them still with a phone call, hundred bucks or whatever it is. But you'd never use your license. You can't do that. But you can still use your expertise, though. Imagine, yeah. like, imagine how that could grow. Yeah, like viral. Yeah, no, I, I know. Because trust me, people are. It's, it's sad that people are so desperate just for help. I know but, it is. It is sad. Like you could, you could really provide a valuable service there. If you know, if you want to go that route, just spitballing an idea out there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good, it's a good route. So <laughs> my problem is, how am I going to take that time? It's that all of that takes a lot of time, right? It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time. Oh yeah. 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 You know, I, another job, which is hard, right? I'll give you an action plan real quick. And I think this is totally yeah. reasonable. I'd say focus on your practice. Now keep doing exactly what you're doing. Yeah. Get yourself some staff. Yeah. Okay. Once you get a receptionist in there, you get another psych NP, you get a therapist or whatever, you're going to have more breathing room and then you're going to have a little bit more time and you could focus in on that passion project, for example. Yeah. There you go. Like that's what that, like, that's what I would do if I was you. That way you're not, building way too many bridges at one time. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. Cause I'm trying to survive in my other job to make sure that I can thrive there as well so that I can have multiple revenue streams, but I, you know, eventually I'm going to have to give something up. <laughs> you're going to absolutely. I mean, you're, you're going to, you're going to have to, it's very, very difficult 
to build a truly profitable seven-figure business. I'm talking about a million-dollar business, okay? It's very hard to do that when your time and your energy and your focus is spread. Yeah, so between family, work. Family, work, the business, et cetera. It's very hard to do that. You, it's difficult, okay? It's, it's not impossible, but it is very, very hard. But if you put that focus and energy in on just that one thing, it's insane how fast you can grow it when you're truly focused on it. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm just amazed by um, my husband, uh, my profit margins and my monthly growth has been about 70%. It's unbelievable. It's insane. That's yeah. crazy. You've done that in less than six months. I mean, that's it's impressive. Yeah, I know. Keep it in mind. I, that's what you're going to need to do. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about? Oh, I guess, are those uh, gross revenues pretty on point with where you see people or is like solo practices and would that take insurance? Does that sound about right? Or should I be, you know? No, that uh, that sounds about right. Um, we're only four or five months in, almost a, almost a $10,000 profit. That's... Uh, it's it's pretty impressive. It's it's probably beyond average. Oh, that's good. Okay. It's, it's make- actually yeah, actually it's it, it's definitely beyond average. Yeah. No, you're doing well. Cool. Yeah. That's, and all the blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's paying off. It's a fantastic feeling, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, definitely gives us a lot more financial freedom and you know, less worry about college and able to kind of go on some good vacations and yeah. Isn't it nice not to have to worry about that shit? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've worked my butt off my whole life, so. <laughs> right. Isn't it nice to finally sit back and be able to relax a little bit? Like, uh, Yeah. Well, after know? today's episode, maybe I will. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right, right, right. Oh, from a financial standpoint. I mean, you can just, you can ease your mind a little bit from it. You know what I mean? It's nice. Yeah. 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 Great. So um, my plan will be to try to hire, um, I'm going to go look on ZipRecruiter and maybe do more of an hourly rate and see kind of what comes through and then maybe get another doing the same thing for an LICSW and seeing kind of where I get, and then maybe building my brand a little bit about around oncology. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. I think that, uh, you know, just make sure that you focus first on really just focus on the practice. Okay. It's, it's profitable, it's generating revenue, and it's something that you're going to be able to grow and scale quickly, okay? So make sure that your energies are focused on that right now, okay? For at least the next, ex, yeah, exactly, yeah. Instead of building else, someone else's you know, business up, like focus, really focus it on that. And in six to 12 months, you're gonna have that breathing room and that time to focus maybe a little bit more on that online, you know, that, that presence kind of a thing, if that's something you would like to focus on. Yeah, no, I think it'd be great. I mean, I've written a book, so that was helpful. Like, uh, I definitely have my name out there. It's just a matter of disseminating the information, but that's for another episode. (laughs) Yeah. If you ever want to talk about that a little bit more, I'm more than happy to help you on that. Yeah, no, I think it'd be fun. Answer comic book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, anything else you want to talk about? No, I think you're um, good. I mean, any other advice for me besides what you've already kind of brought brought today, which I've really appreciated. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I feel I just I got this feeling just let me know if I'm wrong or not. But I feel like that you like to you like to bounce around a little bit with ideas sometimes. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, listen, a true entrepreneur, this is, this is what they do. They get this shiny object syndrome. They bounce around <laughs> and like, yeah, they do. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of it, too. But I'll tell you what, it will be the death of you if you if you don't learn how to focus you, you got to focus in on what is working. It is, it is so important. So instead of figuring out the next idea or another idea or another business or whatever, don't do that. You have something profitable in front of you that you can grow, grow that damn thing to the max and then go on the next project. Yeah. 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 It's true. Uh, the good news is that I, you know, since leaving the hospital and being, you know, outside doing things on my own a little bit more, I've tripled my revenue, you know, that my, um, income, so <laughs> good for you. That's right. Isn't that crazy how that works? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You leave your job and you end up making more money. The same thing happened to me when I left the urgent care. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You've listened to other episodes before. I liked in the episode with uh, you asking me questions. Is there anything that you've ever been curious about my life or my business or anything like that? No, I, um, I've heard it all. So no, I, okay. I think, you know, <laughs> having your life is, is great. I'm assuming you're doing a lot of passive, um, income sources. So it's awesome. 
That's that's it's that's what I'm focusing on. I'm focusing on uh yeah, I I built a portfolio of investments in my life that that pays me on a monthly basis that you know that I can live off of basically. Like that's that was kind of my goal when I set out five, six years ago and I've been able to accomplish it. You know, I'm 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 almost there. Like I'm almost at the point where I could just step away if I wanted to completely and and I could live a very comfortable life. And so. have a couple of kids and uh then you'll start saving for college. <laughs> you know what? I'm not paying for my kids' college. Screw that. They're gonna take out some loans. I had to we'll teach them how to do it. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, maybe that'll change. Who knows? They probably will. So yeah, have three boys and then see how your life looks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got one now, but he's only, you know, five, six months old. So we'll yeah. see how uh, I'm sure that'll that'll evolve. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure. So yeah. Anyways, cool. Well, listen, this was a great episode. Uh, so you know, follow up with me. Shoot me that email, send you on, I'll send you that 1099 contract, okay? Thanks so much. All right. You're welcome. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. All right. I hope everyone enjoyed the episode with Nikki. It was a uh, fantastic episode. Very diversified nurse practitioner with a unique skill set. You know, the oncology, the psych. Yeah, I'm super excited to see what, uh, you know, what happens with her business. I think one of the big takeaways here is that you really, really need to focus on what's working, okay? Don't get the shiny object syndrome. Really, really focus in on what's generating the revenue and what you can grow, okay? It's asinine to not focus in on what you have in front of you and grow it if it's working. Okay, it's asinine to basically focus on something else. Like that's what I mean. It's stupid to focus in on something else instead of focusing in on what you have. That's what you have to focus in on, right? If it's working and it's generating a profit, that means you can probably grow it. Means you can scale it, okay? Focus in on that instead of focusing on a new project. Focus on the new project once the one in front of you is grown to the point where you're, you know, you really can't do much else with it. Keep that in mind as you start your business and as you're growing it and thinking about starting another business, okay? Make sure that the growth potential is pretty much maxed out before focusing in on the next project. All right, hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Talk to you guys later. Thanks, bye. Thank you for listening to the show. Quick legal disclaimer, the content of this podcast is meant for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be used as legal, financial, medical, regulatory, or practice-specific advice. For information pertaining to your specific legal, financial, medical, or practice-specific needs, please be sure to consult with your lawyer, CPA, medical director, and or your state's practice laws and the most up-to-date clinical guidelines. As always, do your due diligence when it comes to any information found online and in podcasts. The content in this podcast is copyrighted by Galaxy Medical Southwest 2023 and cannot be duplicated, rebroadcasted, or reproduced with without our written permission.